following is a message from Living Waters Church in Elk River, Minnesota. For more information, visit livingwatersmn.org. We are excited to step in. I'm sure I've told you before, I love the first day of anything. I especially love the first day of an entire year. That's very exciting to me. My, my, my calendar looks really clean and neat and ready for all these amazing things to be added to it. And so I love that. Um, and I love to go to the Lord with that anticipation. And again, we talked about the fact that he's not bound by time, but he has given us this framework of time to operate within. And so I'm going to use it to my advantage as I look at the year ahead and and just have anticipation for what the Lord wants to do. One of the things that was in my heart uh, as we were looking at, you know, coming through the Christmas season and into the new year was that we would begin the new year with a sort of shared pursuit as a body. And the, really the thing that kept coming, we almost kind of focused our Advent season around it, was this desire and this alignment with the Lord to show us his glory. That we would, as a body, unite around this desire to see his glory in the year ahead, to seek the Lord with intention and with our attention on the glory of the Lord. And, you know, we see it all in the Christmas story and the lead-up to Advent and much of the um, prophecies about the birth and the coming of Jesus, this reality of his glory being shown through that. But, but I think it's even deeper than that. I believe there's a, a cry, a hunger that he wants to put within our hearts to see the fullness of his glory to see more of his glory than we've seen, to begin to see it differently. Now, for me, just being honest, because that's what I do, I'm uncomfortably honest, for me, there's times when the desire to see his glory and the cry to see his glory, show me your glory, really translates like this. Do something! (laughs) Right? We have, show me your glory, and we're saying, do something, show up, prove it. That's what's in me sometimes when I'm asking God to show me his glory. Make me, make me confident and secure that I've, my faith is in the right thing. Show me your glory, prove it. And so sometimes that desire can be connected with that. But really, that's not what we're after. I think the other reality is that if we're honest, if you were to say, Emma, do I really have a hunger to see his glory? Am I I carrying in myself this desire to see Jesus glorified, to to see more of who he is? Am I really carrying that? and, And sometimes I can say, no, I'm not, actually. I don't know... There's this sort of um, complacency around this. And so part of my prayer coming into this has been, make me hungry for your glory. 
Give me the desire for your glory. Help me to line up with the desire that you have. That's what he was speaking to me today during worship. One of the ways that we're going to pursue this is we're going to focus on it throughout the month of January. But I believe it's a pursuit of this year for us as a body to begin to um, examine or explore this desire to see his glory and to step into it. One of the things that we're going to do is we'll have some periodic times of worship throughout the year where we can just focus on pursuing him. And again, I think sometimes the temptation is to view those times when we set aside times of worship and prayer, when we set aside times of fasting, we see those as times to somehow convince or, or coerce God into doing something as we, as we pursue him, that, that we're trying to get him to do something glorious in response to our commitment and our dedication to this time of worship or this time of, but that's not really how it works and that's not really what we're after, because worship is not an activity to get God to act on our behalf. Worship is what happens when we cancel the white noise long enough to really see who he is and what he's doing, and to proclaim that. And so when we're saying, show me your glory, we're really not asking him for do, to do something that he's not already doing or be something that he's not already being. We're saying, would you, would you remove the distractions from us really truly seeing who you are in your fullness? Would you cancel out the white noise of everything else going on around us that wants our affection and our attention that's what, what we do when we come into worship. Do you know that God doesn't start getting worshiped at 9.30 a.m.? That's just the time when we join in with what's already happening. That's just the time when we join in and we begin to tune into, ah, the glory of God. So as we make that cry of show us your glory, I want it to be so clear to us that we are not trying to convince him to act or be glorious. Instead, we're saying, would you open our eyes? Show us your glory. Open our eyes. Show us where, where have we been blinded from seeing the fullness of your glory around us, in us, and through us. And so that's our pursuit in this time. We need to be careful that we don't see any ritual that's meant to make God show up. You know, even as we start a new year, and, and I can't imagine I'm the only one who's starting a Bible reading plan, or who's trying to make sure that, okay, as I start this new season, I want these set-aside times to be carved out to pursue the Lord in, in prayer. and I can't be the only one who's doing that. And that's okay unless we're entering into any kind of ritual that's meant to make God act on our behalf. The name for that in the Bible is witchcraft. Even the pagans do that. And so we come to a God not saying we're going to sing and yell and shout and lift our arms and 
turn in circles to get God to act. In 2 Kings, it says they did these things in order to get their God to act. We're not doing that. Now, I, that doesn't mean we shouldn't yell and sing and shout and turn in circles. It's not about the method. Some of you are like, oh, that means people are still going to yell and shout. And Yeah, we are. It's not about the method, it's about the motive. It's, it's not what we're doing, it's why we're doing it. If you're doing those things to get God to act, then that's witchcraft. But if we're doing that to raise our awareness of his worth, of his glory, to set our heart on who he is, to raise our awareness of what he's already doing, or to celebrate what he's doing, or the the hope of what he's going to do, and then yielding to that partnership, that's worship. And so I encourage you, as you step into the new year with some of those new plans for spiritual rhythm, make sure it's aligned with that motive. I just want to, I want my awareness of you to, to be more full so that I can see more of who you are. So as we pursue this concept of the glory of the Lord, show us your glory, it's kind of a massive subject. I mean, I'm not sure that we're really going to reach the end of it in the month of January. But we want to, to focus on really coming into alignment with what the Lord says that means in this time, in this season for us as individuals and as a body. I feel like the whole concept of glory can, can feel very familiar to us. I want to see God glorified. God, glorify yourself through my life. Glorify yourself through, through this. Be glorified today. Jesus, I ask that you be glorified. And it can become so familiar, this concept of glory. Dallas Willard said, uh, if the familiar becomes too familiar, it becomes unfamiliar. If the familiar becomes too familiar, it becomes unfamiliar. It means we can cease to really know what the glory of God is when we become too familiar with the way that we've defined it. When we become too familiar with the concept. Sometimes, show me your glory means, I want to feel that special way I feel when I, I'm aware of your presence. And that's good. We want that. We want to. But are we willing to make that prayer and that request without defining what that's going to look like? Without limiting what that's going to look like? Because sometimes we become familiar with our definition of something that is completely beyond our ability to understand the glory of God. So let's pray. Because I want us to be able to see this with new eyes. Lord, we thank you for bringing us into alignment with the desire of your heart that your glory would be seen. We ask that you would forgive us for become over, becoming overly familiar with the topic of your glory. 
sometimes so familiar that we don't really even know what it means. Forgive us where our definitions and our desires around your glory have been tainted by a different worldview or influenced by a different worldview. Forgive us for the places that we've come to love the glory of man rather than the glory of God. Forgive us for places where your glory has become small in our eyes or limited. And as we pray throughout this month and into this year that we would see the fullness of your glory, we ask that you would realign us with the reality of that. That you would allow us to experience again the awe of who you are. Even the parts, and especially the parts that we don't understand or comprehend fully. Would you make us comfortable again with a God that we can't fully define and understand for the sake of seeing the fullness of your glory? I ask that as we look into your word today that you would um, conform us you would, your word says that as we behold you, we go from glory to glory. We ask that this would be a season where you are uh, advancing us into a new understanding of your glory and our ability to have your glory working through us. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So, as you may know about me, I'm going to have to define what it is we're talking about. I'm going to have to lay that foundation. In any discussion you have with anyone, it's really helpful if you're using the same definition of terms as you're talking. And so when we talk about glory from a biblical standpoint, it can feel like this kind of intangible, profound, out-of-reach concept, and to some degree, there are aspects of it that is, that are, grammar. But there are some things that the, the word has really gone to great lengths to help us understand the glory of God. There are over 600 references to the glory of God in, in the Old Testament and the New Testament. And so we want to look at what we're talking about. In the Old Testament... There's a word called kabod. It comes from kabo, which means something that is heavy, the significance of something, the weight of something. And it had, in Hebrew, the Old Testament was written in Hebrew, it had this connotation. <clears throat> the, the worth of something, the value or the weightiness of something, as pictured by very wealthy people carrying all of their wealth around with them. And so it was this picture of the, of, of the wealth being carried around with them to the point that they had to catch their breath from the heaviness of it. So this concept of glory being a weightiness that causes us to have to catch our breath because it's so massive or it's so weighty. 
When was the last time that the reality of God's glory caused you to have to catch your breath? I'm asking the Lord every morning for a moment like that in my day. Lord, I want to see your glory in a way that I have to catch my breath. But then the key is i got to be looking for that. Do you know what's interesting is that often you find what you're looking for. (laughs) If I set about my day saying, God, I want to see your glory today, I think I'm probably going to see it. If I set about my day saying, I want to find all the things that I should be disappointed in, I'm probably going to see that. And so I'm trying to come to each day going, I just want to see your glory today in a way that makes me have to catch my breath. It's that feeling we have, this Old Testament word for glory. It's that feeling we have when we look at the stars and we feel so small. I don't know how many of you, for whatever reason, one of my favorite things to do is to swim off the side of a boat in the middle of the lake. How many of you like to do that? How many of you are worried that fish will touch you? Okay. My husband. (laughs) Like, hi, honey. Having fun down there? Yep. Uh, but, But there's this sense, I don't know how to explain it, but there's this overwhelming sense of how much water is under me and around me and... And in Minnesota, we have some pretty deep lakes. I think the deepest lake I've actually ever swam in, it was like 96 feet where we were. But we have lakes in Minnesota. I mean, there's Lake Superior, but which is over 1,000 feet deep in some places. But we have other mining pit lakes that are 400 feet deep. Can you imagine 400 feet of water around you, <laughs> under you? 400 feet of fish. Yeah, yeah. But there's this, this kind of overwhelming feeling that I get as I float in the middle of a lake. And there's this massive... That's, that's the sense of the weightiness of God's glory. That's, that's a way that we could try to understand the largeness of it. In the New Testament... The word that's translated glory most often is doxa. And it also has a sense of being heavy or weighty, but one of the, or it has a sense of determined value. The glory of something is the determined value of it. But another part of its definition, when it refers to glory in the New Testament, is intrinsic worth. I had to look up intrinsic. Intrinsic means belonging to the essential nature of, originating with, wholly within, inherent, belonging by nature or habit. So it just is a a fancy word for saying the glory of God is something that he just is. It just belongs to him. It's just his nature. And I can tell you there are times in this season where I feel like Jesus is not getting the glory that he deserves on the earth. Where I see him mocked. 
where I see people's hearts set against God, that I am concerned about how he's going to get glory. Like, I need to somehow make it happen so that Jesus gets glory. The reality is, he is glorious. Whether anybody is giving him that ascribed glory or not, he just is. He is glory. It is intrinsic to who he is. Any glory we see given to man or brought to man is some little tiny piece reflecting this little tiny part of the glory of God that he already has, that he already is. And so we can relax as we see him not getting the glory that we think he deserves. We don't have to become his PR rep. We can just know he's glorious, regardless of whether it's being confessed or not. Nothing has changed about his glory because it's intrinsic. His actions don't determine his glory. <laughs> this is another place. My dad told a story a couple weeks ago when he preached about how I was talking to God and in a very heartfelt way, expressing to him how he needs to heal my mom so that he can get glory. And I, I can honestly say that as much as I wanted to see my mom healed because I love her and I want her with me, <laughs> as much as that, I wanted to see her healed because I wanted Jesus to be glorified. I wanted people to see that and go, he is who he says he is. And I brought that to the Lord and said, you will get so much glory. I will make sure of it. I will write about it. I will do YouTubes and you'll get so much glory. And while that is, I think, something he appreciates about my heart, what he, dis, what he put in front of me was the reality that I believed his glory was dependent on him doing what I asked him to do. His glory was dependent on his actions in this moment. And he reminded me that he will have his glory regardless of what happens here. And he reminded me that I will get my glory how I get my glory. I decide that. You'd think that was a hard or sad thing, but it was actually really stabilizing for me. <laughs> because now his glory was no longer hinging on what happens in this circumstance or situation. His glory is intrinsic. It doesn't depend on his actions or what he does or doesn't do. We don't have to actually give him glory for him to be glorious. So the Bible kind of talks about two different types of glory in the way that I'm defining it. I recognize that there's different concepts in the Bible, and we might delve into that, about the glory of God and like the Shekinah glory of God. But what I'm talking about is that really Jesus kind of talked about two different types of glory. One is the kind of glory that comes from man, 
which is fleeting and usually kind of tracks with the fad of the time. This kind of glory fades. Here's an example. Any uh, sports star who is the top of their uh, field and they receive glory from man. In fact, some of you are going to give them glory this afternoon at 3.30. There's a Vikings game, for those of you who don't, aren't fans. And we give them glory because they're at the top of their field. They are excelling above others. But the reality is there's a very short window of time for which they will actually be able to receive glory for that because their glory fades, the glory of man fades. We have pageants, I don't know if we do that anymore, we might have moved beyond that, but I think there's still pageants where people are given glory for their beauty and their poise. That will also fade. They may be ugly at some point, who knows? But there's this glory that we give that's the glory of man. It's, it's, it fades. It's not eternal. And the glory of man is often dependent on something outside of itself. So the person who excels at track or the person who excels at any sport, they excel because of all the things that they do outside themselves to reach this goal, this pinnacle. The person that excels in the area of beauty, or there's a lot we do outside ourselves, to try to meet that standard and have that glory. But then there's the glory of man, that God. That's the glory of man. There's the glory of God. And the glory that comes from God is fixed and eternal. It's not fleeting, and it's not having to do with the fads of the time. The glory of God does not fade He's the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow. And the glory of God is not dependent on something outside of itself. Jesus differentiated these two kinds of glory in his criticism of the Pharisees. In John 5, he said, How can you believe or have faith if you accept glory from one another, yet you do not seek the glory that comes from the one and only God? He's saying, you desire the glory of man, but you don't desire the glory of God. You're not asking, show us your glory, because you're too busy <clears throat> enjoying the glory of man. And we see that John explained the same thing, that many of the leaders, as Jesus preached, many of the leaders, Pharisees and leaders of the temple, they believed, but they didn't confess him because they loved the glory or praise and approval of man more than the glory of God. And yet, we know that the glory of man fades and the glory of God does not. The other thing we need to recognize is that oftentimes the glory we receive from man is for one particular thing. So, <clears throat> just to use an example, many sports 
people, or maybe I won't even pick on sports anymore because some of you are like, come on now. Uh, how about famous actors and actresses? They're amazing at their craft. They do amazing things. They do all their own stunts. They also produced and wrote this, you know, whatever. And they received the glory of man. But the reality is that might be the only area of their life that they're actually excelling. A lot of times we see the rest of their life is really not glory worthy at all. Not always, but sometimes. But we have the glory of God, which is totally in every way and eternally gl glorious. That's how God's glory is unique. And he doesn't have to go outside of himself to help himself be glorious. So what are we asking when we say, show me your glory? I'm, we're borrowing that phrase from Moses' request in Exodus 33, where he says, please show me your glory. What's interesting is he and God, in leading up to that request, was kind of, they were kind of having a little bit of a discussion or a, an, an argument where Moses is, is saying, because God says, yeah, you, I'll, uh, you can go into the promised land, but I'm not going with you, because he was disappointed in the idolatry that was happening and all of that. And Moses said, well, we're not going then. And I find it interesting that it, the scripture says just before that, that Moses spoke to God as to a friend. And I go, yeah, he really did. <laughs> but right after this, then Moses says, please show me your glory. So this is one of the things that we see in that request. His glory can be seen. Sometimes we think of his glory as this kind of ethereal, whatever, concept that just really can't be seen, but his glory can be seen. We can ask and have him show us his glory. His glory is not just the praise that's given to him. Glory is more often in scripture used as a noun, like as a tangible, concrete presence or something that's seen. He doesn't have to, but God chooses to manifest his glory on the earth. He chooses to manifest his glory through his attributes. The visible manifestation of the attributes of God, that's his glory being seen. In Psalms 19, 1 through 6, I'm just going to read the one piece. It says, the heavens and the earth declare the glory of God. To a large degree, creation was created to declare the glory of God, to manifest his attributes. That's why when, when Jesus uses a parable about seeds or trees or whatever, he's not, just, he's not just picking a random object and going, oh, I think it's like that. Actually, it was created to demonstrate some nature or aspect of who God was. Isn't that amazing? And so last time Pastor Bob preached, I guess that was last, no, it wasn't last week. It was two weeks ago. And he was marveling over the snow flocking trees and just the beauty of that. And that, yeah, that is the glory of God on display. 
He joked that maybe it was just that he was getting old. But no, that's an appreciation. That is the answer to the cry, show me your glory. Here's one way I want to show it to you. I'm going to show it to you in creation. In other places, we hear his glory defined as an unapproachable light, and then he likens it to the sun. How many of you know that the sun is unapproachable? Yes. Because if it was approachable, we'd probably already be there by now. But it's not approachable. And so he, he's saying the closest thing that I, can, that I can liken it to is the sun. It's an unapproachable light. In fact, I marvel that I can read the Genesis account and not notice until recently, that light was created before the sun and the moon. The very first thing he did was say, let there be light. And that was like three days before the sun and the moon were created. Because he is light. Often in scripture, that light is synonymous with his glory. It's a way for his glory to be seen. In Revelation 21, 23, in eternity, he's going to dismiss the sun because it's no longer needed because his glory will provide light for the heavenly city, for the new Jerusalem. He is light. We see his glory in creation advertising God and his attributes. But then there came a time when he wanted to manifest his glory in a way that man could understand, and so he became a man. And this is where we see the glory of God most clearly. In John 1, it says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. In verse 14, the Word became flesh. In verse 18, And we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten Son of God, who has revealed God to us. Jesus Christ is the revelation of the glory of God in human form. So when we're crying out to God and we're saying, show us your glory, what we're saying is, show us more of who Jesus is. Show us more of, of his, his, the ways that he reflected or carried your glory. What's interesting is there was a moment um, and I don't remember exactly where it is in Scripture, but it's there. Uh, there was a moment on the Mount of Transfiguration where Jesus went up, and it's like he unzipped his human suit long enough for his glory to burst out in fullness, and the disciples that, that were there with him had to hide themselves from, from the largeness of it. But in his mercy, he... He clothed his glory in human form so we could see it. So we could know, what does it look like to see your glory in human form on earth? I think sometimes we can be very comfortable with the human part of Jesus. But we need to make no mistake, when we look at Jesus, we're looking at the glory of God on display. There's a so many places now where we see that he's 
being glorified. He's sitting at the right hand of the Father and he's being glorified. So we know that his glory can be seen. It's seen best in who Jesus was, most understandably to us in who Jesus was. Hebrews 1.3 says, He's the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of his nature, and he upholds the universe by the word of his power. That's Jesus. The same Jesus that we celebrated as this little baby. Really, the glory of God. So we know that his glory can be seen, And here's the other thing we learned from Moses' question or desire. Here's Moses asking, show me your glory. And I go, wow, you're kind of greedy, Moses. Because Moses has seen a burning bush. Moses has seen uh, plagues come on an entire nation for the deliverance of Israel. Moses has seen um, the... The Red Sea parted. Moses has seen a pillar of fire at night and a cloud by day. He's seen water come from a rock. He's seen manna rain from heaven to feed more than a million people. And Moses is saying, show me your glory. Really? Is it that he... He didn't really see it as glory? (laughs) Is it that he forgot? Is that he wasn't content? No, the reality is there is always more to be seen of his glory. That's why we should be hungry for that. We're not even saying, you haven't done enough. We're not saying, we don't remember it. or We're saying, I know there's more to see of your glory. Show us the fullness of that. What part of your glory do you want to uncover in this season? There's always more of his glory to be seen. 2 Corinthians 3.18 says, But we all with open face, beholding as in a glass or a mirror, the glory of the Lord are changed into the same image from glory to glory. There is something in beholding the glory of Jesus that, and, and the multifaceted and the growing awareness of his glory that then allows us to be transformed from glory to glory. And that's our, our desire. This morning, in the last five minutes, the title of my word today is, His Glory is Our Goal. I'm probably going to follow up when I, uh, next week Pastor Bob is preaching, but the week after I'll probably follow up and we'll look more into that. And this is my encouragement to us today, that we would be hungry to see his glory, even in a way that maybe we haven't seen before. Because the reality is, we were created for his glory. Not just created to uh, enjoy his glory, and to swim around in it, but we were created to allow his glory to work and to shine through us. And as we come into a new year, I'm not sure how many of you are goals people or resolutions people, 
I am. <laughs> but not so much this year. This year, really, my heart is this. How do you want to show your glory through me this year? How, what obstacles do you want to remove from your glory being fully seen in my life? Isaiah 43, 7 says, we're created for his glory. When we don't understand this, when somebody doesn't understand that that is what we're created to do, all of mankind are image bearers of God, meant to reflect the glory of God. Believers, in addition to being image bearers, we actually get to carry the, the nature of God and reflect his nature. And that's, that's what we're here to do. When we don't understand that, we don't know why we're here. We lose a sense of purpose. And we begin to come up with secular and self-centered senses of purpose. Secular and self-centered ways of looking for meaning, for looking for purpose outside of the very thing that we were created for, which is to bring glory to the Lord to reflect his worth. And we begin to settle for the glory of man rather than the glory of God. But the reality is we will never be satisfied with that. It's never going to be enough. And so our challenge as we start out this year is how do we make his glory our highest goal? I had a moment... I don't know how many years ago we were living in a different house, so I don't know, at least three, maybe four. And um, I was having <laughs> not super great quality time with the Lord. I was sort of having time with the Lord while I was doing other things. And um, in the middle of that, something just arrested my heart. It, I would say it's like when the Holy Spirit, how the scripture says, the Holy Spirit will teach you how to pray or pray through you. Something arrested my heart with the reality that I don't want my weakness or my strength to, um, I don't want any of my weakness or any of my strength to somehow hinder God's ability to get glory. Because there's times when I go, yeah, in my weakness, I could discredit the name of God. But then there's other times where, in my strength, I'm not glorifying God. And so one of the things that I've, a lot of times our resolutions are around not having weaknesses, <laughs> being better people, and you know, all those things. My prayer this year is, I just want you to be glorified through all of my weakness and all of my strength. That's, that's my goal that you would be glorified through all of that because we were made to glorify God. Let's look at, we'll close with this scripture because this is what I want to be able to say at the end of this year and every year, at the end of my life. Here's what Jesus said in John chapter 17. Have I mentioned that I pretty much live in these chapters, like 14 through? Here we are again. 
Um, John chapter 17. I'm going to start with verse 1. Jesus spoke these words, lifted up his eyes to heaven and said, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your son that your son may also glorify you as you have given him authority over all flesh, that he should give eternal life to as many as you have given him. And this is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God and Jesus Christ whom you've sent. I have glorified you on the earth. I have finished the work which you have given me to do. That's my prayer for, for this year as I say, your glory is my goal. That I would, how do we do that? How do we make his glory our goal? We say, I just want to finish the work you've given me to do. There's a new level of obedience that he's calling us into. Jesus was able to glorify the Father because he obeyed the Father. And Jesus had the, the glory of God working through him because of that. And so as we look into this new year, and hear me, I believe the Lord puts plans and purposes in our hearts. If you have goals and you have things that, the, that are in your heart to step into in this new year, I'm not saying to lay those down. Some of you husbands right now are saying, see, I don't have to go on a diet. I don't have to eat better. No, do, do what is going to... Ask him what he wants to do through your life in this time. Let that be, as we set goals, as we pursue something, let it be that I finished the work that you gave me to do. That's how we know we're bringing him glory. Amen? Amen. So, um, why don't we stand, just because it's fun. Let's pray. Lord, we want to begin this new year with eternity in mind. Not with temporal goals or the glory of man or even what our view of success might be. We ask that we would begin this year with the eternal things that you have planned and purposed for us to move towards. We ask that we would begin this year with a pursuit of seeing your glory so that we can reflect that in all the different areas of our lives. We ask that we would be ones who can say, yes, your glory is my goal. We thank you that you are removing obstacles for us. You spoke it to us during worship today. You're removing obstacles we ask that you would help us to see where we're distracted from the true purpose that's on our lives to bring you glory and remove any obstacles to that. Lord, we thank you that there's always more to be seen. 
And so we press into that together as a body. We want to see your glory in us, through us, around us. Raise our awareness of who you already are intrinsically. (laughs) And help us to enter into reflecting the fullness of your glory in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to this week's message. To learn more about us, please visit livingwatersmn.org.